This book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Convinced living water changes everything one life at a time. Praise the Lord. This morning I want to talk to you wrapping up our final discussion on prayer. No, we haven't covered every scripture, nor have I exhaustively talked about everything to do with prayer, but we've talked about obedience, and now we've mo- then we moved to prayer. We're going to be moving on, and we're specifically, remember, talking about unlocking and unleashing the power of God in your life. If you want to see the power of God move in your life, a couple of the keys, obedience and prayer, that unlocks the power of God in your life. Well, then we're going to be moving on after missions week. We're going to be talking about our third area, and that is faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is the only currency of heaven. We must come by faith. So we're going to be talking about faith and how it unlocks the power of God. But this morning I want to finish our time on prayer talking about prayer in God's will. Prayer in God's will. Now there is a portion of scripture as we are getting close to the celebrating of Easter that has always riveted me in the Scripture. And it is, uh, before we even get into our main text today, it is the Scripture where Jesus is praying in the garden and he says to his Father in Luke, you can write this down, no, this isn't our main text, but I want you to write it down because it will hinge on this text that we are looking at this morning. Luke chapter 22, verse number 42. And Jesus says one of the most powerful statements. You can have anybody talk to you about all the prayer that they want and I, and, and I understand the promises of God are true. And we need to stand on the promises of God. But there's not a more powerful prayer that you can pray than what Jesus prays here when he says, Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but thine be done. That's a powerful prayer. That's a prayer that is surrendering to God. That is a prayer that understands God's in control. That is a prayer that understands that even in my flesh, I may have an ability to sometimes get sidetracked and want my own way. But yet, Lord... If there is not something in my will that is lining up with yours, let your will be done. That's powerful. You can unlock and unleash the power of God like never before in your life if we would just understand that truly God is our Father and everything He desires for you and I is going to be good. So we surrender to him and say, God, not my will, but yours be done. 
Amen? So now let's look at the text in 1 Timothy chapter 2. (laughs) Yes. 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting at, and it's actually 1 Timothy. I know it's 2 Timothy there, but it's actually 1 Timothy. (laughs) It is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And this is what it says. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony born at the proper time. And for this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, I am telling the truth, I am not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Wow, what a powerful, powerful scripture talking about prayer. Now, I know that sometimes, uh, and, and rightfully so, the promises of God we need to pray through. But I left this one for last because I know my own nature, and so I know it's human nature, for us to focus on everything except God's will first. But how powerful it is to understand that when we pray in accordance with the will of God, it is powerful, powerful prayer to pray. So the first thing that I want to talk about is, in fact, prayer. And Paul lays out some very specific things here. And I want to point this out to you. In verse number 1, it says, on behalf of all men, okay? Then I want you to look down, and it says that he desires for, in verse number 4, all men to be saved. I want you to look at both of those, all men and all men there. In the Greek, that literally is translated mankind. You need to understand that. It's not just saying men only are going to be saved. It's not saying that, and it's not saying that we should only pray for those men that are leaders or men in the world. That is in the the Greek, mankind. He's talking about all of God's, okay? Then, though I want you to, and we'll be bringing this out, this scripture in verse number 8 says, I want the men. Now, that is specific in the Greek, saying, I want the male people in every place. We're going to talk about what is is Paul talking about there, and what would God be meaning? 
Okay, so the first thing we're going to be talking about is prayers, and it says that we ought to be praying for all mankind. Do we understand that, wow, what a powerful thing that here it has been asked that we give petition. Do you know what a petition is? What is a petition? When you, when you go to make a petition, who does it involve normally? Is it just you? That's what Paul's asking. A petition is something that, you, that everybody gets involved in. He is inviting and saying, I want all of you to pray for all mankind. Now, I tell you, there's not a greater prayer than you can pray than saying, because you say, well, wh where's that, Pastor Brian? God so loved the world. God is not willing, that's, that's John 3.16. Then in 2 Peter 3.9, it says, God's not willing that any would perish. Write that one down. Sec that's, that's again, 2 Peter 3.9. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. When we pray, we need to understand, especially because right now we live in a very, very, very tumultuous, dangerous world with lots of evil people that the Word of God says are going to continue all the way to the end. But we need to be praying for mankind. We need to be praying for the world. What prayer? God's heart that they may be saved. That somehow, some way, that someone would come and God would allow their hearts to be turned for salvation. You say, Pastor Brian, that's a hard prayer to pray. It is. Because in our selfishness, sometimes we want to be judge and jury, don't we? In our flesh, we want to decide already those who are in and out. May I tell you, that is not a responsibility that we bear. That belongs on God himself. And he will be that one. What he has asked us is to make petition. And then Paul uses the word, he says, entreaties. Do you know that that term literally means earnestness, sincerity, seriousness? So God wants us to be serious about praying about the world. One of the greatest uh, blessings that I had going to Southwestern uh, University there in Texas was the fact that the president of the, the college said, we are not going to start any class at Southwestern unless we first start it in prayer. And then he said, we're going to pray for the world. And we actually had a book where we would go and we'd pray for certain uh, areas of the world, countries of the world. That's powerful prayer. That's praying according to this. It says that I want prayers and entreaties, petition, then this last one, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is those things that we are grateful for. There's always an ability for us to look and see the glass half empty. 
the, the fact, one of the greatest things somebody taught me, and one, it was actually my, my uh, speech uh, teacher in high school, said, you know, the cheapest, easiest thing to do is to find fault in somebody. That's the cheapest, easiest thing you can do. Because you know what? I've got a hundred million of them. <laughs> and everybody does. It's the cheapest, easiest thing to do is find something that you can find fault in. We're good at emphasizing what is wrong, but it takes specific concentration to be grateful, to find the reason that we have to rejoice, to find a reason that we are blessed in this area and we need to, in our prayers, give thanksgiving. Amen? There's lots of reasons for us to be thankful. God wants prayers for everyone. Then he specifically concentrates and says, for verse 2, kings and all who are in authority. And again, this is all mankind. doesn't matter whether it's male or female. He is saying that if someone is in a position of authority, we need to be in prayer for them. Well, I've talked to you already how the Lord is convicting my heart regarding this. But may I tell you, I had a wonderful, wonderful time sitting with our mayor uh, this last week having lunch with him. And we are blessed to have godly leadership in our city. And I was able to tell him, you know, I want you to know that our church is a church that believes in our community and we are praying for you in investing in our community. That's scriptural. We need to be praying for those that are in authority. Now, not just those that are in government. There's lots of people who are in authority all over our community. Our teachers are people who have been given a sphere of, of authority. Uh, you know, our, our moms and dads, our, our, our homes are positions of authority. We need to be praying for those spheres of influence of authority that God has given. Because as we pray for them, God hears our prayers and God moves through prayer. And when we don't pray, God says that that's a sin. Do you know prayerlessness is sin? And so uh, to not pray, and uh, I know, I understand, I'm, I'm under the same conviction because I myself, I find God, you know, I'm talking a lot, but am I praying? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm disgruntled a lot, but am I praying? Am I interceding? Am I truly uh, with with entreatment and earnestness and petition? Am I calling on the name of the Lord and saying, God, we need your blessing on our leaders. We need your blessing. Would you move their heart? Do you know in the Proverbs that 29.1 says, God moves the heart of the king like a water course? God says, I'll direct it just like a water course. So start praying, God. I know that we look and we, there, there are some that very clearly confess they're not Christians. God uses them anyway. <laughs> the heart of the king is in the hand of God. And he will move it like a water course. 
So we need to begin to pray and believe the word of God when it says pray. And, and then it says this. Pray that in order that we may lead tranquil and quiet lives in godliness and dignity. Could it be that some of our lack of prayer in our own country has not helped the current situation? If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves, recognize, don't point the finger and talk about how bad and sinful people are, because we understand and know how bad and sinful we are. (laughs) The people that are in the world don't even recognize it yet. So God says, you humble yourself and pray, and God will hear from heaven and heal our land. We need to be people of prayer, amen? Amen. So uh, God just asks us to pray for all mankind. Then he directs it to leaders, and he says this will, will bring tranquil and quiet lives in godliness and dignity. Then in verse number 3, he says this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. And then he uses a specific title, our Savior. Our Savior. Again, it is only a title that belongs to him. There is not one other small little G God that died or did anything for anyone. And in fact, I point to you that many of the other religions their little G gods have you coming and beating yourself and and, uh, cutting yourself and whatever else you're to do to earn the right to come to them. And the only true God, the holy God, is the one that said, you can't, I'm holy, but I'll tell you what, I'll die for you. It's significant. It's real. That sets Christianity apart. God looked and he said there was no one, so his own hand worked salvation. Isaiah 64. Hallelujah. Yeehaw's right. Praise the Lord. That is one of those. And I want to say to you, I had someone come to me in, a, in a, another place of ministry. He said, Pastor Brian, I just don't understand you. He said, I've never had one of those moments where I would climb on the top of my hood and yell for the Lord. And I said, man, I don't know how you can't have one of those. When you think of what God has done for you and me, that's a yeehaw! Hallelujah! I know not any other way to put it. <laughs> it's not going to stay with me this morning. <laughs> but what I'm saying to you is if you say, well, you know what? God knows I'm here. If he comes down and forces me to get excited, I may think about it. 
the Bible says, shout unto the Lord. Now, is there a time? Yes, the Bible also says, quiet your spirit before God and recognize who he is. But, you know, I find a lot of emphasis on being quiet, and I'm, I'm not saying everybody has to be emotional. I get it. I'm simply saying you will have no other reason to shout than the fact that God Almighty paid for your and my sin. Hallelujah! He's worthy to be praised. All right, so then the next one. God's will. Now you noticed when we were reading through the scripture, there was a very narrow, in fact, I'll go back to it. See that? When you're praying and you're walking in the will of God, there's a lot of clarity. There's one way you're going. (laughs) Like an escalator, when you step on there, there's no question where it's going. (laughs) And unless you totally get off, you know you're on the right path to what you're headed for. That's how it is when you pray in the will of God. It's not vague. It's not, well, I hope. God's word is clear what his will is. And praying according to the will of God is like, I want to point this out, it is like having the destination of the Lord here and saying, I wonder which road is going to take me there. Do you see that? Now, you immediately may say, Pastor Brian, I know a lot of people that are way over here. Yeah, they've made their own road. And you know, it's hard, it's rocky, and a lot of them never make it back to the main road. A lot of them never find their way back. But the fact is, God has paved a very clear way to where he is. He has not said, I am here, I hope you find me. He has not said, I'm here and I've set out ten ways. I hope you choose the right one. The Bible has made it clear there is one mediator. One. It's not politically correct, but it's biblically correct, and it is the truth. Jesus is still the answer for the world today. There is no other. So God has laid it out. As clear as it would be if you and I were standing here and saying, I wonder which way would be the best route to end up here. Kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? And God says, do you know in his word, that he has made it clear by the things that are visible around us? Do you know that? Do you know that in the Psalms, Psalm 19, and in Romans chapter 1, that God says that by the things God has visibly created, 
Men are without excuse. Now you say, well, why, what excuse do they have? The reason that they are fighting so hard is because if there is no God, I get to do whatever I want. That's the issue. The issue is not whether God has made it clear. The issue is will I surrender to what God has clearly said. Jesus is the answer for the world today. There's one mediator, that man is Jesus Christ. It is the Son of God. And may I say this, there's no greater prayer to be praying than to ask that people be saved. That's the will of God. It's the will of God for your family. It's the will of God for your co-workers. It's the will of God for your enemies. It's the will of God for those people that irritate the fire out of you, that don't know Jesus. That's God's will for them, that they be saved. Now, last part of this. If there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, then who am I to attach when people come and want to know about Jesus? Attach them to him. Don't attach them to a church. Don't attach them to a pastor. Don't attach them to a denomination. Do not attach them to anyone other than him. Paul states it clearly in Corinthians 11, 1, where he says, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. What he's saying is, in the same way I follow Jesus, you follow Jesus too. The, the emphasis is get your eyes on Jesus. He is, in Hebrews it says, the author and the finisher of your faith. Chapter 12, 1 and 2 says he is the author and the finisher. He's the beginning and the end. The alpha and the omega. Hallelujah. So... The will of God is that there is only one way. Let's look at Acts chapter 4, verse number 12. I want to read that passage of Scripture because, again, I find it... Uh, really unbelievable and simple how God makes this. And there is salvation, no one else, Acts 4.12. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. God has made the road clear. We are to pray and we are to attach people to Jesus, the will of God. And if you want to know the will of God, there's no greater place to find it than looking in the word of God. God's word will not take you outside of the will of God. 
Then this last one. And this is specific, but it can also apply to everyone. He says, therefore I want the men. Now why would he change all of a sudden and say, I want the men? Well, do you know that, first of all, God has made it clear that there is no uh, preference in Jesus, male or female. Not one of them is more important than the other. Not one of them is better or greater than the other. But in God's order that he has placed, God has placed authority. And do you know when we submit to God's authority and in the Uh, specifically in the area of the home, the man is first accountable to God for everything in his home. Now, you may not like that responsibility or you may want to advocate that, but God still says it's the man whose it falls on in the home. (laughs) I know that's hard, but it is in the Word. (laughs) So I look at this and I say, Lord, why do you say lift up holy hands without wrath and dissension? Well, do you know when something's not going right or my way, my human tendency is to grab a larger hammer (laughs) or by force make sure that it goes my way. Does anybody else relate? I mean, uh, men, I mean, now I know not every man necessarily, all of us are to some degree, but men in general have this ability that we fight first (laughs) and ask questions later. God says, men, we need to pray first. God says, that'd be the first thing that you should do rather than letting your hands get into anger and quarreling and wrath and dissension, we need to lift up hands that are pure and say, God, I'm going to take this to you first. We talked a little bit about that in class, praying through the Lord's Prayer, that we need to have clean hands before God. Now, I want you to write these chapters down. Isaiah 58 and 59. Isaiah 58 and 59, the whole chapter. In these chapters, and I'm about done, in these chapters, we we will find that God says, there's a reason your prayers aren't answered. It's because on the day or the time that you put aside to seek me, you do whatever you please. You, You let your hands get into all kinds of things that aren't innocent. And then you, you act like I'm to, to hear you? And then in 59, it makes it clear. God's ears are not too dull to hear you and his arms not too short to save you. It's our own impurity that separates us. I'm not talking about the fact that all of us are sinners. I know that. None of us are pure. But I'm talking about when we as believers are willfully allowing and walking in sin in our life, God's not obliged to answer our prayer. 
I, I understand this is meat this morning, but this is what we need to hear because God says we are responsible not for living a sinless life. We're not, in, we're not capable of it. But again, when there's willful disobedience and then we come into the presence of God and call on his name, God says, deal with the sin first. Then I'll hear from heaven. Amen? So we're to work within that order. And can't now let me say, although this is saying I want men, specifically males, I would say to all of us, all of us, if we are all children before the Lord, have a responsibility to make sure our hands are holy as we lift them to the Lord. All of us need to say, God, my hands need to be holy. That is, again, not without perfection, but it is willfully not walking in sin and then expecting God just to wink at it. Amen? And if we will direct our prayers for all of these things with thanksgiving and entreaties and and petition, and if we will say, God, I'm going to focus on your will, not mine, and if we will lift up holy hands, we will be sure that we are hitting the bullseye of God's will. Bow your head with me.